Welcome to the My Inner Tiger podcast. I'm your host, Sydney D. Camella. I'm also a wife, mother, master life coach, course creator, and spiritual Sherpa. Over the past few years, I have overcome extreme anxiety, depression, addiction, infertility, and chronic illness. And as a result, I've made it my life's mission to teach other women like you that no matter what battle you're up against, you have an inner tiger, a power within to create and manifest whatever your heart desires. If you are tired of being a victim and ready to be boss of your life, you have come to the right place. Each episode, I'm going to share tools, teachings, and techniques I have used and taught countless other women so that together we can create a life beyond our wildest dreams. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your inner tiger is just waiting to be unleashed. I'm so happy you've tuned in. Let's get started. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the My Inner Tiger podcast. I am beyond thrilled to share this episode with you because it touched my heart so deeply. I'm interviewing Angelica Allen from Australia, and her story is just truly compelling. Angelica was diagnosed with stage three bowel cancer in 2018 and only 38 years old. And instead of focusing on the negativity that surrounds the world of cancer, she decided to see cancer as an opportunity to change everything in her life. And that is exactly what she did. Angelica's beautiful message is about going within and overcoming fear. And that's both fear of living and the fear of dying. It's also about truly connecting with your body and finding compassion and forgiveness of yourself. And finally, it's about surrender and letting go of control. And no matter what challenges you are facing right now, that is exactly what we all need to hear. Angelica is now completely cancer-free and living her purpose as a transformational coach to help others live the life of their dreams. I was so moved by this conversation, and I know you will be too, so get cozy and enjoy this magical episode. I am so, so, so excited about today's guest, Angelica Allen. Welcome to the My Inner Tiger podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Sydney, for inviting me. I am super excited to be here. I really, really am. I'm so excited to have you. So let me just start by telling everyone how this conversation came to be. I am in a Tony Robbins community Facebook group online and, um, and Angelica's in there as well. And I was just scrolling through Facebook and her post in the, in the group popped up and I was just totally intrigued by it. Um, as you heard in the intro, she has an incredible, powerful story And uh, that's what she was sharing in that post. And I just immediately, like without questioning it, sent her a DM and was like, I have a podcast about healing and triumph and blah, blah, blah. Would you like to be a guest on my podcast? And so here we are. She said yes. And I'm very thrilled about that. So let's just dive right in. And um, Angelica, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about the story of what it was like when you first got diagnosed. So I was diagnosed after having an emergency surgery. Um, When I went into hospital, um, you know, even with kind of the symptoms didn't really show anything that was going to be a stage three bar cancer. And the way that I looked, the doctor's did not um, suggest that there was going to be anything serious um, because I just presented myself as not feeling, uh, feeling a bit like under the weather, like not feeling, feeling a bit queasy. And, um, and they were like, oh, you know, you know, have you eaten something? You know, it was, it was kind of lots of questions, but they were like, you know, you don't have any family history, you know, any underlying conditions, so when they put me through the CT scan and they saw that uh, one, uh, my bowel was uh, full of um, poo, sorry for the description here, on one side and the bowel had gone inside itself on the other side, they still didn't say it was going to be cancer. They still kind of thought, oh, you know, it could be a polyp. But obviously when they went in, um, they realized that that part of the bowel that had gone inside itself it was actually uh, cancer. They took uh, 
probably about 20 centimeters off my bow and rejoined. I was really lucky that they were able to do that. So I didn't have to have a, um, a bag. And as soon as I came out of the surgery, which was a very long surgery, uh, the doctor confirmed that it was stage three bowel cancer and that I would need to have chemotherapy. And I was lucky that my, my husband was next to me when they dropped that bomb. And, um, and I just remember saying to the doctor, but I have two kids as if, as if this was going to save me from having that diagnosed. And he kind of said to me, like, you know, you'll be fine. And he left the room. I was left like in, I, I, I could not even think, you know, I had just come out of the surgery um, my poor husband, I don't know how he coped with that because he had to go home and look after the kids. Um, I reached out to God and I asked God, you know, like why there's not, not in an anger way, but in a way of, you know, why did, why, why something so serious, you know, why stage three, you know, why cancer and, God answered me very calmly. I have been trying to, to tell you things. I have been tr trying to tell you to stop and you haven't listened. And, and I think I left that conversation there and then because uh, <laughs> I don't think I could cope with anything else on that particular day. Um, I was very, very scared for a month uh, probably mostly for two weeks because I had a, a month to recover to start chemo. So from that point on was like being discharged from hospital and getting ready uh, to start chemotherapy in another month. And those first two weeks, I was in a very, very dark place. All I could think was my funeral, my kids, you know, life without me, you know, they growing up without me them finishing school without me, them getting married without me. And it was very, very difficult. I went to bed every day crying, you know, asking. I was I was desperate. I was, you know, my husband, I would be saying to him, you know, I just want to survive for my kids. <laughs> this is, um, you know, going back to that is, um, yeah, it's crazy how, you know, how how much my mindset had to change from that place. And there was a day that I spent probably crying the whole day. Um, my husband had left to the beach with the kids. And in that day, I kind of cry my whole life's worth almost. And all the sadness and all the self-pity, whatever you want to call and on that day, after they came back from, from the beach, I kind of said to myself, I'm ready, you know, I'm ready to tackle this and I'm ready to go for it. Um, and that was, you know, probably a week uh, before I had to meet my oncologist and, you know, they told me the plan, which was to have, um, as he described, the strongest chemotherapy my body could take uh, because I was very young and he just needed to zap everything that that was inside my body to leave nothing behind. So, so there was, um, uh, that was the message that I got on that first um, meeting with the oncologist. And then uh, my journey starts, it started, you know, with, with that process. Yeah. So this is where I want to hear where it gets good. So tell me more about the journey and how things turned around for you. So the first you know, I had 12, 12 sessions, uh, supposedly to be every two weeks, uh, but your body can't take that every two weeks. Um, it's a very, very strong. After the first one, I felt like I was on those, you know, transporting movie that, you know, they get a shot of some sort of like heroin and you're just like laying and looking at the sky, like the ceiling. Like I felt like that for five days. I did not move from bed. Like I was... I couldn't listen to music. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't speak to anyone on the phone. I couldn't, I could barely speak. Like I would just get up, eat my food, go back to bed. And my husband would be like, oh, do you want to go for a walk? And I'll be like, nah. 
do you want to listen to music? No. Do you want to watch TV? No. I could not move for five days. And I kind of said to myself, how the heck is my body supposed to get another 11 of those? Mm. And, and, you know, I just couldn't imagine how that was going to be possible physically and emotionally. But as soon as I started being able to get up, I started, you know, to going for walks. And, you know, like I listened to one of your podcasts and you said, you know, I would make a point to walk every 20 minutes a day and I would just drag myself and I would go for a little walk as, you know, like for as long as I could. And I started devouring books about nutrition and I started slowly changing my diet and just really focusing on what I could do physically to help my body. And within that, you know, the first uh, I had already, you know, after the second, you know, when I was supposed to receive the second dose, I had a delay, I had a sore throat and, you know, you can't get any chemotherapy when you're not well. And that was, you know, the journey of um, disappointment and having to be super strong in your mindset uh, because the setbacks were huge. They were everywhere, every minute. Uh, and I realized. Gosh, I can so relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can so relate to that in my journey. Just, I'm getting chills, but sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Keep going. And, um, and you had to be you know, at the beginning, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I used, when they used to say to me, like, you can't have your chemo because you were so focused on like, oh my God, I just have, I want to have the second one. I want to have the third one. I want to have the fourth one. So I can finish with this. But when they tell you, you can't have it, it will feel like a failure. I'm like, but I'm doing everything I can. I'm exercising it. You know, at that point I was, you know, really um, going for walks every day. I was already changing my diet. And I was doing everything that I possibly thought I could. And when they tell you, you can't have it, you have another week that you need to wait. It's very, very frustrating. Um, and it puts your whole life like in a, in a hold as well, because it means that you're going to be longer in that whole chemotherapy process. Anyway, like after, you know, the, the constant, I was constantly searching for ways, like I said, to, to improve my physical health. And I started every, every, every day changing something about my eating habits and introducing different types of exercises. I started doing yoga at home. I realized that um, I couldn't go out because that was um, getting me more susceptible to getting sick, like even with colds and coughs and things like that. So I self-quarantined myself, which was um, a beautiful um, process, to be honest. Uh, it was what I needed. And looking back, um, it, it was a perfect. You know, at that time, uh, I was not even on Facebook. And I, I think that was a, a blessing in disguise. I had no distractions and all of a sudden I felt it was just me myself and I at home when my family would leave you know to school my husband to work and to kindy and and I was just left with myself for the first time <laughs> and and well I remember <laughs> you know doing a yoga practice and sitting and when you know like the teacher says you know now you know you know, connect to your body and speak to your body and to yourself. And I'm, I just kind of thought to myself, who the fuck am I? Like, like I'm just yeah. like, how did I even get here? Like, how did this even happen to me? I don't even know who I am anymore. And that led me to a lot of, um, a long, uh, emotional, uh, healing journey which as you, you know, know, you are very passionate about, and I am, I am too, and I am um, very blessed that our paths have crossed. And I feel that you, you are an amazing uh, person to have gone through because I know it's not an easy path to go through. Um, and I started just um, having to really dig deep. Uh, I knew my cancer was very much about a healing, a deep resentment that I held on against my family, my parents. And I knew that I needed to let that go. 
but I must admit that at the beginning, uh, I was focused on my physical health and I could not deal with it. Like the thought of it, I was just like, I don't even know where to start this. You know, I have so much anger inside me, so much resentment. Um, and I know I need to forgive, but I just don't know how. And this is when, uh, for me, um, I got, I believe in God. Um, I got really close to, to God and I reached out to help. And I said, you need to help me because I don't know how to do this. And I just don't know if I can, I mean, I knew I couldn't do it by myself. Um, and I remember I, we were talking about this um, a little bit before uh, we push play today. I did a meditation with, with an online cancer uh, symposium that I was listening to. And, and the person said, you know, put the hand on your cancer and, and ask your cancer why you're here. And when I did that exercise, it was so powerful because I could hear my cancer screaming at me, anger. And I knew that I needed to let go of all the anger and rage that was inside of me. And I needed to work through that. There was only not a pattern, but there was also uh, something that I needed to get out of my body, like a ball of energy that I needed to get out of my body if I wanted to heal myself. So I started working through that, um, you know, by journaling, um, is starting to listen to people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, understanding like, you know, patterns, emotions and feelings. Um, you know, bear in mind that all of that was happening while, while I was still at home. Um, I did not want to, you know, go out too much because of, you know, the issue of getting delays in my, my chemo. Uh, I was very much focused on, you know, I was very much focused on me for the first time in 20 years. You know, there was no distractions. I would wake up every day and I would ask myself, what can I do to heal my body today? What can I eat to heal my body? What can I listen to that will help my mind? What can I do today to help my soul? And there were just the three questions that I ask myself every day. And I didn't focus on anything else. I didn't focus on looking at my bank account, cleaning the house, nothing. It was just, like, you know, all of these things that we get distracted with, like on the day-to-day -day life, I was just focused on me for seven and a half months. Mm, wow. And I think that was really the key of my success, like at the end of it, that, that was really key for uh, me finishing 12 sessions of chemo feeling stronger than I started because my focus was right, relentless. Like I would just be like literally every day thinking about that. And I would drag myself, you know, like to, like you said, you know, going for the walks and slowly with each session, instead of getting weaker, I started getting stronger. And instead of having five days in bed, I would have four days in bed. Instead of having four days, I would have three days. And, you know, and by the end of the two weeks, I would just be like going for it. You know, I had my bike on a, um, you know, at home, like in those, you know, like a winch, I, I forgot what they're called. Like when you put on a, a bike on a stand and I would just be going for it. I would be doing weights. I would be going for runs. I would, I would just be like going for it. Um, and I would just keep doing that, you know, every Every time that, they, you know, I was hit with a chemotherapy treatment, I will, even though my worst days, I'll drag myself for a walk and I will just be increasing the exercise every single day. And, um, but yeah, we talked about again, um, something, you know, before we push play today, which I think is really important to highlight, you know, I am a doer and I'm very much like a type A personality that needs to be, you know, like doing everything I can for everything and, on my probably third, after my third treatment, um, I got a, they had told me, look, you're probably going to go into menopause uh, during chemo because that's what chemo does for people. So don't, you know, don't worry about that. Um, because I had, you know, previous to my diagnosis, I was iron deficient and they thought that, you know, my iron deficient could have been because I was having heavy periods. And uh, they said, you know, don't worry about that. You're probably not going to get any periods. So I had a period 
which almost killed me and I was bleeding to death. So by the time I presented myself to emergency, I had zero white cells. I, my red cells were not recovering and uh, I had to had, I had to have two um, bags of blood plus a bag of iron and still my body wasn't recovering. And every day I would wake up and I would be asking the nurses. I couldn't see my kids because I was completely like in the isolation uh, and I was in a cancer ward. So kids couldn't even go there. And I would wake up and I would be asking the nurses, um, you know, what are my levels? You know, what are my new, my white cell levels? What are my red cells? Are they going up? You know, I would just be like desperate to know what was happening to my body. And I would be like going like walking around the room, doing my exercises in the room. And I would just be like going crazy. What else can I do? And um, the oncologist would come every day and say, you know, unfortunately your levels are not coming up and, you know, you just have to stay here. And I would be so disappointed, like so disappointed and so sad, you know, like I just wanted to go home. And there was one day that his doctor came in like by herself in the afternoon and she spoke to me in Spanish which was quite interesting because I, I thought that at that moment she came in not to be a doctor, but to be a friend. And she said, Angelica, you need to let go. You just need to stop waking up every day and asking the nurses for your levels. You need to stop, you know, thinking that you can do something for, to change, you know, your, your white cells levels and your red cells level. You need to think that there is literally this is the best place for you to stay and be right now because if you get out there, you're going to die. And there is absolutely nothing you can do to change that. And at that moment, he just hit me like a brick wall and I was just like, oh, my God, this is the message. I've just got to let go. And, you know, for me, it was so hard to let go because you know, I'm such like a doer and I, you know, I'm always constantly looking for the solution and what can I do? And, you know, like taking the matters to my own hands. But at that moment, I realized, you know, my journey was about letting go. And at the moment I let go, I remember I had like one of those, like, you know, like novels that they give out in the hospitals, you know, like terrible novels. And I'm just, I just thought, I'm just going to read my book. And I started reading the book. And, you know, the next day my um, levels went up and two days later I left the hospital. Gosh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Chills. And I want to intervene here just a little bit. Um, as Angelica and I were talking before we hit record, we were comparing notes here on our stories and both of us could relate so much to the idea of just surrendering and letting go. And I was telling her that the, this is something I learned very early on in my kidney failure journey or my kidney journey. We'll not call it kidney failure. Um, just oh, yeah. kidney journey. Um, and I've, I've since like, forgotten about it. You know, it, it's, I, I went back to such a typical pattern for me of doing and doing and doing and doing and looking outside of myself. And I just this afternoon, before even talking to Angelica, had a beautiful conversation with someone who reminded me that in order for me to get where I need to be with my numbers, I need to let go. And so this message, I think, is just so huge for anyone, anyone listening, no matter what you're going through. Um, the best thing you can do is surrender. It's the best way, to, it's, it's the way to manifest whatever it is you're trying to manifest. Would you agree with that, Angelica? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And when you say that, you know, I think it's that, um, you know, when you said to me before we, we um, started recording, you said, no, I know my kidneys are going to heal. I have that unshakable knowing inside of me that I was going to be fine and well. 
and that I was going to be healthy. You know, I never, I never thought to myself, I'll be happy to finish chemo. For me, it was just like chemo was just a part of the process. I knew I, I was, my mindset was like, I'm, I'm creating a new body and I'm creating a new mind and I'm creating a new soul here. I'm, I'm like rubbing off everything that I've done so far and I'm starting all over again. This is my opportunity to start my life again. Yes. Gosh. And I had that, you know, feeling inside of me the same way as you do. And when I look back at my life, when you had like, you know, the two times that I had that is, it's that fine balance of knowing and obviously still doing things to get yourself there, but having faith. Yes. You know, like, you know, if I know it's a, it's a, a hard um, conversation to have because not many people, you know, believe in God or have a belief, but, you know, having that unshakable, like knowing inside you that, you know, you are going to be okay or that you are going to get where you want to be. And that is the part that um, that's where you have to kind of almost like lay your surrender in, you know, on that. That is exactly right. You said that so well. It's the faith. It's the unshakable faith that is going to get you where you need to be always. And how do we dive into that? We let go. We surrender. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And for me, it was, um, you know, when people talk about like, oh, you know, keep fighting cancer and fighting cancer, I never used those words. I embraced cancer. Yeah. I embraced cancer right. exactly. as an opportunity for me to start all over again. You know, when I always think like when people have heart attacks, they don't get another chance. I got another chance. You know, I got another chance to live and to uh, recreate my life. And for me, it was never a fight. I mean, in, in actual fact, when I thought about the word fight, I had been fighting with life my whole life and I was tired of fighting. Wow. Yeah. So I did not want to fight anymore, you know, and for me, it was like, I need to embrace this and I need to, um, and I'm, you know, and this sounds cliche, but I am very grateful for cancer because if it wasn't for cancer, I wouldn't be the person that I am today. I wouldn't have changed everything that I've changed, you know, like, you know, my diet, the way I live, my lifestyle, my emotional patterns, you know, like the ripple effect in my family, uh, you know, my kids and, you know, my husband and our relationship and everything, you know, it, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for cancer. So I embrace it all. And I just took as this opportunity to start all over again. Right. Oh, such a beautiful story. I um have you ever heard of Anita Morjani? Yes, you I I um you mentioned about her book, right? Like I have I I I know her story and I've seen her speaking, but I have never read her book. Oh, you will love her book. Oh, her book is so good. Um, and you actually I listened to it on Audible, and what's funny is your voices are very similar. <laughs> So when I hear you talking, I'm like, she sounds so much like Anita. That's so weird. <laughs> and their story is a little similar. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's a phenomenal book. I highly recommend it to anyone actually. And, and what she, she had the same message as, you know, her whole life, she was striving and trying and fighting to be someone and something that she thought she needed to be. And when she finally sur surrendered to you know, just letting it all go when she had a near-death experience and realizing, you know, this was, this was all about me letting go of all of that stuff and just learning to surrender into myself, into my, into being me that I don't have to try or do anything. I just have to be me and embrace that. And God, the message is just so beautifully written too. So, um, but that is, that is the message for anyone. And for anyone listening, you know, you don't have to have cancer or kidney problems or a health diagnosis, anything that you're going through right now, um, that you're struggling with just in what, what way can you let it go and just trust and have faith that, you know, God, the universe has your back, um, because it does. And, um, and I promise you that when you release all of that need to be in control, 
you will find your answers on the other side of that. You will find your peace. You will find your healing and you will find yourself. Right. So, yeah, definitely. I so agree with that. And, you know, when I first started my journey, obviously I wanted to live for my kids because, you know, they were only six and four and, um, and for me it was, I just have to do everything that I can um, to survive for them. And I remember I picked up a book on, on the library. Like I didn't even know what it was about. It was, I just thought, I'm just going to, I want to read a book about mom who's had cancer, how, you know, how um, moms do this, you know, like this whole chemotherapy thing. And interesting enough, the two books that I picked up, they were moms and one of them had stage four bowel cancer and and this lady uh, didn't do anything to change her lifestyle and and she died um I stopped reading the book because and I and I hate you probably this is going to resonate with you Sydney I hate starting something and not finishing but that book I had to stop reading because I knew she was going to die and I remember you know in the book she's talking about, you know, and my daughter, you know, she's staying and she's really, you know, I read her diary and she's really scared that I'm going to die. And I want, I had this feeling like I, if I, if something happens to me, I want my kids to know that I have tried everything I could to survive, that I've done everything in my power, you know, and my kids saw me, you know, getting up every day, you know, exercising and they still see that. You know, if, if we're in a party and they say, mom, do you want to try the cake? And I'll say, no, I don't. I don't. Um, and, and they say to me, mom, you can, you can eat a little sometimes, you know, like sugar or, you know, they, they know all about it. And I said, I know I can, but it's mom's choice not to. So, you know, like I wanted them to have this, you know, this, this vision of me that I had tried everything that I could uh, but as I mentioned to you, when I stayed at home by myself and, and self-quarantine myself, and I started getting to know who I really was, and I started spending time with myself, I shift from wanting to live for them to wanting to live for me. Mm. <laughs> I can relate to that too. <laughs> yeah. And that was just such like, you know, a wake up call. And I have always kind of spend life running away from my own self like I it was this journey of walking back to myself again right you know getting to know who I really was and being inside my body being inside myself Mm -hmm. right that's that's what meditation does for me and and my my journey was very similar you know when I was going through all this and I just dedicated myself to going every single morning to the beach for a long time and meditating and having these crazy magical experiences out there and just really getting in touch with myself, my higher self. And, um, yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, that was some of the biggest transformation for me. Um, I mean, that was probably the key, right. was meditation. That was, you know, without meditation, I'd never be where I am today. Um, but that's the way in, in yoga, right. Um, yeah. that these are ways that you just get quiet. And that's a big message that I always have is how can you get quiet? Because we just don't get quiet. We just don't do it. Yeah. Especially us mm. moms. I mean, and in the society today with technology and everything is just so moving so fast and you got so many things on your plate constantly. It's like, we never get quiet and it's driving people to drink a lot more and eat a lot more and, you know, just find all these outlets and, um, the answer is within it's going within. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think that, you know, uh, yeah, so many, so many uh, learnings from what you just said. Now, you know, all the drinking. I mean, I binge drink for you know fifteen years nonstop, and I used to love drinking alcohol, and I was to love getting drunk. I mean, that's the reality of it. But you know, nobody's gonna classify you as an alcoholic unless you are living on the street and lose everything you have, right? Mm. But I had to acknowledge that I didn't have a good relationship with alcohol, I and I needed to make a decision. You know. Mm-hmm. Like, do I want to keep drinking or not? Mm-hmm. And in some of my, med- you know, in my meditation practice these days, which, you know, I meditate every day in the morning, first thing in the morning, 
I get so high and I wish I had, <laughs> I had learned that in my early 20s. <laughs> right? Oh, I get so high. Yes. Oh, I, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I get higher than if I drank, you know, like 15 beers. This is incredible. <laughs> I know. I know. And, and I like crave, you know, that's one of the reasons I crave going to yoga is just, you know, I love doing it, but then at the end, the Savasana, I'm always so high during Savasana. Like the instructors always yeah. have to like, you know, peel me off the floor at the end because I'm just like, <laughs> in it, you know? And yeah. <laughs> I, God, if I know if I had only known the magic and meditation, um, geez, I could have saved myself a whole lot of hurt over all these years. That's for sure. Yeah. And like I said, you know, like we have, I think people over, over complicate, like, you know, healing as well. Like, I think you are right. We have the answers within ourselves and I spend a lot of time speaking to my body and building this beautiful connection with my body that like while I'm saying this I can feel in my body that my cells are listening to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like this is how strong the connection has become because I have cultivated that connection well that's and I know it sounds crazy no I but totally (laughs) that does not sound crazy to me I can I get that 100%. Yeah. And I've been in places where I feel the same way about my cells, literally my cells. Um, I can see them just, you know, multiplying and regenerating. Um, yeah. And the funny thing is that I'm just loving that I'm talking to you right now, because honestly, I've moved away from that lately, you know, the past few months, maybe six months or so, I haven't been as in touch with my body um, as I used to be. So this is like totally divine timing that all of this, I mean, it always is right. But this feels really good in my, in my soul that we're having this conversation right now um, because it's just, it's exactly what I personally need to hear. (laughs) And I know that there's people listening that feel the same way. So. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading a book with Deepak Chopra. I love Deepak Chopra. And he asked a question. Um, who do you think it's the most intelligent, the body or the mind? Mm. And we attempt, we're tempted to say the mind, right? Mm. And he said, the body's, it is more intelligent than the mind. The body has all the answers. Yeah. And we don't realize that, you know, the body's holding on to all the feelings and the emotions and the patterns is, all comes from the body yep. you know and the mind is just like this jumping jumping monkey that it's kind of going crazy inside our heads yeah and you know some of us have more control of it than others but really all of those memories comes from the body and if the messages that we're sending to our bodies are not messages of love of quietness of stillness of um compassion you know which I had to work very very um, much towards you know having self-compassion forgiveness and all of those um, beautiful things you know if the messages that we're sending is like you know I've got to do more you know I'm not enough Um, I'm angry at this person I'm angry at that I'm blaming this I'm blaming that you know why me and all of that then our bodies get tired and our bodies start screaming at us like mine did to me. Um, And the body says enough is enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, another way to say that it's all stored in the body is it's all stored in the subconscious. So your subconscious is what is running your show and your subconscious is the keeper and the logger of everything that you've done, seen, smelled, taste, experienced all of that, all the things that you've said to yourself, you know, this is the way that you talk to yourself, the thoughts that you allow into your mind, all of this gets logged in your subconscious and, and it, it acts right out of all of those things. And, um, that's why training, retraining your subconscious through affirmations and, you know, not just affirmations, but deep affirmations where you're not just saying things, but you're feeling them and just retraining your brain, retraining your thoughts, which starts with the awareness. And then it starts with, and then it moves into just practicing, right. Changing 
all of the information, the things that are coming into your subconscious, changing that. And then subsequently, you know, what you start, you start becoming right. This better version of yourself, this more free, peaceful version of yourself and your body starts acting the same way. You know, your body starts to regenerate more. Your body starts to heal itself more. It's all just a natural flow of energy, right? So, yeah, totally agree. And I think it's a process. Like when people ask me, what's the one thing that you did? There isn't one thing. And I am a firm believer in, in what matters is what you do each day. You know, like we were talking a little bit before, I know you, you have tried a way more different practices than I have. And I think, you know, because I had to self-quarantine myself, I had to do everything on my own, like at home. And I did all my exercise from home, my yoga, you know, the, the changing food and the diet. I did it all on my own because it was out of necessity. You know, at the end of my treatment, I went to see a counselor, a psychologist, which helped me tremendously with especially you know letting go of the resentment that I held on against my parents but I went to a reflexologist but really the core of my healing was me taking a hundred percent responsibility of, of what I was doing each day and because I did that I started making those little shifts in the sub at a subconscious level like you said you know, it wasn't one thing. If you're eating healthily, you're sending messages of love to yourself. You know, people think like, oh, if I go to McDonald's, I'm sending a message of love to myself <laughs> because it's what I want, you know, like it's my pleasure food. It's like, no, that's rubbish. And you are putting rubbish inside your body, you know, <laughs> like, and, and the messages that you're sending to yourself is that you are not worth of good food. So I think every little thing that you do starts compounding into changing at a subconscious level of the person who you are. I know every meditation that you do, every yoga session that you do, every walk that you do, everything that you do. But I think that people think that there is one thing and, and sometimes they think that if they go somewhere, somebody else are going to, to do that for them. And I think it's very important. I think what matters the most is what you do each day for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's the baby steps that count. It's the baby steps. It's not the one big yes. thing. And as a society yeah. as well, we are so conditioned to quick fixes. We want everything right now. We want it in a pill. I mean, even just the whole pharmaceutical industry has got us convinced, you know, just get this vaccine and you'll be fine. Just get this, take this pill and you'll be fine. And everything's going to be fine. Just do this one thing and you'll be great. Right. And we're so conditioned to feeling like, you know, that's, that's the answer all the time. And it's not the answer is to, like we said before, get quiet and go within, but that's a commitment that takes baby steps every single day. Just one little piece bite off one little piece every single day. And then all of a sudden, one day you're going to wake up and be like, wow, I've come a long way. And I didn't even notice it. <laughs> My life is so different. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I think that um, the instant gratification, the quick fixes, you know, like the, you know, diets, shakes, intermittent fasting, you know, all of that stuff that it's, there is always a gimmicky thing like do this and you're going to solve all your problems. Um, I think that it's sad that people still fall for that because, you know, if you don't come to the realization, like, you know, myself, if I hadn't come to the realization that it took me 38 years to abuse my body so much to get to stage three by cancer, that was going to take me a while to heal completely. And I still take healing as seriously as, as I did when I first started. If anything, I take it even more serious because I kept changing my diet. I still change my habits. I still tweak things around. I made myself a promise that I was never, never going to compromise on my health again. And I don't do that. 
you know, this is like a, a promise that I made for myself. And I, I just live up to this promise every single day. And, and I still feel like I'm still healing. You know, who am I to think that I'm not? I finished chemo in 2018, in November. I had a hysterectomy in February 2019. It's only been like two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not. And, but people just want to, yeah, people just want like, oh, that's it. You know, I've done this, you know, and, and I'll be fine. And I don't need to do anything else. I can go back and eating burgers and fries every day. It's like, well, no, <laughs> I know. <laughs> You know, I have to tell a funny little story just to reiterate the fact that I'm so not perfect. Um, well, not that anyone would have thought that, but um, when we just got back from vacation in the mountains and, you know, I've been a basically a vegetarian, I would say vegan on and off, but vegetarian um, ever since I started really trying to heal my body, which has played a big role in it. And, you know, I had come so far and we were on vacation and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to. I'm just going to eat meat. I'm just going to have this Cuban because <laughs> I used to love Cuban sandwiches. And so I was like, you know, whatever I've come so far, it won't hurt me. And, um, you know, who knows if it really did or not, but, you know, like I told you before we were, before we started recording, my numbers did go up a little bit. So that could have had something to do with it. The fact that I ate pizza and a Cuban on our recent vacation, you know, like I can't do that. And so I'm totally with you, but it's so hard. You know, you want to treat yourself to these pleasures that we think are going to be pleasures, but they're really not. They're so instant. You know, we, we do it and then we've done it. And then we're like, well, that wasn't really worth it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I admire your cake. Yeah. Right? I, mean, I, I, <laughs> I have, I have these visions that, you know, I don't know. I used to love cheese, you know, like when I, you know, like the blue cheeses, like with mold and stuff, you know, like I just look at this stuff now and I just think about this blob of fat in my gut, you know, obviously when I had my cancer and I'm like, yeah, now I'll pass that. Like, (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, (laughs) I made myself these stories in my head that, you know, just to help me to, and look, I think you're right. Like when you, um, you know, if by any chance, like I, I go somewhere and, you know, like a party and I'll eat something, I just instantly feel terrible. Like, because your body gets used to a certain level Healthy. of healthiness mm-hmm. is pretty hard as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I don't see, I don't see any more like, um, you know, hard to say, you know, it's, it's, again, it's a habit thing, right? Is it really a habit thing um, that you, that you kind of need to, you know, to start with baby steps. And again, you know, it was, I never went on a diet. I never did anything overnight. You know, I stopped eating processed sugar. Then I started, you know, buying organic vegetables. Then I stopped, you know, I was still eating meat during my treatment. You know, I don't eat meat anymore. Um, but like, you know, it's a process. I think everything that you want to fix overnight, it's a problem because then you fall back into your old ways and then you get disappointment and you get into the cycle. And I, I've, I mean, I've never liked diets. I mean, I've, I think diets, are, you know, obviously diets don't work. It's a, it's a proven fact, right? And I think that, you know, just the word in itself, it it feels restrictive. Like I eat a lot. I eat all the time, but I eat the right things. And I am in the best shape of my life at 42 years old, not because I diet, but because I just eat the right Right. things. I think. And, you know, everything that I. Sorry. I I think the key with, with diet and this, this can be a whole nother podcast, but um, it's it still always comes back to getting quiet and learning to get to know yourself and loving yourself. Because when you love yourself and when you know how worthy you are of good things, you don't want to put garbage into your body. (laughs) Right. Definitely. It's, 
It's just, it's a whole mindset. And that goes back to the daily practices. I think the most important daily practice is to get quiet with yourself, whether that's meditation or journaling or gratitude practices or yoga or whatever it is to quiet your mind, get to know yourself. I mean, you said it so beautifully. You had to quarantine with yourself for seven and a half months. I mean, that's a long, amazing time to, you know, that's like boot camp. Boot camp to get to know yourself. It was boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And it wasn't comfortable, you know, it wasn't comfortable. And I think it's um, you know, it's important to highlight to people. It's at first it will feel strange because if you are not uh used to spending time with yourself, of course you're gonna feel like, who are you? But like, how can you get to know a friend if you don't spend any time with that friend? So for me, it was like that. I hadn't spent any time with myself. I was just running like a headless chicken through one thing through another without checking in with myself, checking in with my emotions, checking in with how I was feeling about anything and just yeah, fighting through life. And I mean, it, and I had to put my hand up. I think it's, for me, it was a very important part of the process, you know, as a doer, as a type A personality, wanting to fix everything and do everything. I thought I was doing everything right. You know, it's very easy for us to fall into the trap, like, oh, but I'm doing everything, you know, like, you know, especially when it comes, you know, being a mom, I'm doing everything opposite that my parents did. I'm trying so hard not to be like my parents. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I've got, I've created a different life or whatever it is. And I had to put my hand up and acknowledge that everything that I had done, it was pretty wrong. The way that I was treating myself, the way that I was being a mother, the way that I was, you know, treating my family, you know, just giving my all to work and leaving them with nothing. All of that was very important for me to acknowledge, to to be able to change. Because if I had sat there and thinking, but I'm doing everything wrong, why me? I'm a good person. Then, you know, (laughs) that wouldn't help me to acknowledge that I had been doing a lot of things wrong. Yeah. Mm, I can totally relate to that. So you're a transformational coach now. Yeah. Were you a coach before cancer? No, I used to work in recruitment. So I used. Oh my gosh. So did I stop. (laughs) Oh my God. I love it. (laughs) This is terrible. <laughs> oh my god what do you, who did you recruit like did you recruit i used to recruit for developers uh in it oh, so. i was accounting and finance oh okay cool. yeah yeah so um i did go back to my corporate job and i look i i loved you know i had a career like i had been in recruitment for 10 years so it wasn't like a five minute job thing you know like i had been you know really successful in that uh, career and i really enjoyed um but when I went back, it was, it was, it was probably one of the hardest part of my whole journey as well. Like after you finish chemo, they tell you, okay, so now your treatment's finished, go back to living your normal life again. And you're like, uh, but how do I do that? Like, after- you're like, but she died and now I'm totally something new. <laughs> <And> so that's, <laughs> and also it's, you know, as you know, in recruitment, people just, you know, like you meet them and they're complaining about their bosses and their colleagues and their jobs and their pets and their dogs. And you you want to shake them and say, but I, I've just died. Like, be happy that you were alive. And they. <laughs> yeah. So um, after a year of trying to find myself and my um, company had given me the opportunity to work from home and part time and all of that. I had learned so much that I felt that I needed to, you know, teach people what I had learned and, you know, teach people that it was possible to, to do so much for ourselves, especially in the cancer world, which is a very negative world. As soon as you, as soon as you say, I have cancer, people just look at you in front of you and they are already planning a funeral, your funeral for you. And you have to counsel them to go, no, no, don't worry. I'll be fine. And it's, it gets so tiring, this exercise that 
it was great that I had to self-quarantine myself because I didn't have to go through this exercise with people. But this is what the cancer world is. You know, oh my God, you're having chemo. Oh no, that's really bad. And you were like, well, thanks. That's all I needed to hear today. <laughs> right. No shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so after that, after a year of trying, I came across Tony Robbins and I didn't know who he was. And I would say Tony Robbins really helped me to, you know, leave my corporate job and, and start my business. And it was last year in February. And um, initially I thought that I, you know, could focus on helping people during cancer treatment because I did so much during treatment uh, that I felt, you know, when I finished, I felt uh, healthier and stronger than I had ever been. And I saw what was possible, but obviously, you know, during chemo, not many people <laughs> are going to do what I did, you know, and, and before I would be very timid to say this, but these days I'm incredibly proud of what I did. You know, when I finished my yes. 12 session, my 12th session, one of the oncologist nurse told me, Angelica, I'm so happy for you that you were able to finish the treatment. And I, and I said to him, really? Like, why? And he said, because in eight years of oncology, I have seen four people finishing 12 sessions. Wow. Wow. And I thought, oh, nobody told me this at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God they didn't. <laughs> I know. I know. So I wanted to tell people, you know, like, you know, there's so much you can do, you know, during chemo. But then I had a massive shift uh, in, you know, when I looked at my journey, I wanted to help kind of, you know, the old version of myself, which was that person who was running herself to the ground or himself to the ground. Uh, so to avoid that person to get what I had been, because there was a lot of suffering and a lot of um, sadness and it wasn't easy you know I really reached rock bottom and I feel that the ambulance was like on the bottom of the cliff really waiting for me and we don't have to get there to change you know we can change beforehand and I know most of us unfortunately we we work like that we need to reach a crisis to to really pull ourselves together to start making changes but it doesn't have to be like that. There were so many signs already in my body. And I don't know if you feel the same, but there were so many signs in my body, in my life and everything that, you know, like, you know, that I said, that I said at the beginning, you know, God was trying to, to wake me up and I just didn't want to listen because I am stubborn. <laughs> and this can go, this can go, um, this can be a positive thing, but that, that can also be a negative thing, right? Um, and I feel that there is, you know, there is a lot uh, we can do before we get there. Right. Mm. Yep. Those that's so similar to my journey, of course, since we're realizing that we're ridiculously have so much in common. So, um, I, what happened for me was my rock bottom was it started with infertility and that was what woke me up. And, um, and set me on a, a couple of years to into dark night of the soul. And then, you know, finally getting pregnant, which was amazing. And, but I, I thought I had kind of arrived, you know, once I got pregnant and I was like, Oh, great. I went through that really hard place in life. I'm good. I've got a message to share. Like I thought my message was going to be great with, you know, hitting rock bottom and, you know, detoxing your whole body. And, you know, finally you get rewarded with something you've been dreaming about, you know, like you manifested it and it's just wonderful. And then boom, <laughs> I just didn't see that coming. Um, but it was my major wake up call was the, the kidney experience. And so it really, you know, basically I almost died and I, I'm pretty sure that my old self really did stay behind in that hospital. Um, you know, I was in the hospital for a month and when I left, you know, I was a new person. 
um, it was a journey to, you know, I was still was sick for a very long time, but, um, you know, even my, one of my closest friends said, you are not the same person as you were before you got out of the hospital. Yeah. Like you're just not. And, um, she's like, energetically, I see it. It's just an entirely different human being. (laughs) Yeah. And so I've felt that. And ever since then, you know, I've been, like you said, on a mission to help others, you know, learn that they don't have to go through such a terrible experience to change their lives, you know, to, to find themselves, to break free from the old habits of stress and anxiety that totally plague you. Um, and then not knowing yourself and not, you know, knowing how to have peace. And so, you know, same yeah, page I just, as you. Yeah. I just, that totally resonate. You know, I don't know if you know, but I had an ectopic pregnancy before my, um, you know, the cancer. So I had an ectopic pregnancy. I lost an ovary and a tube and they told me you have half chance of getting pregnant now. And I was already 30, 31. And obviously that made me really think, you know, at the time I wasn't sure if I wanted to have kids. Um, And I feel that now when I look back, it was again, God working on my life to say, well, if you're not sure, and if you're playing with your destiny, and if you're playing with something so serious, I'm just going to maybe have to give you a little nudge to see if you're going to do something about it. And, um, <laughs> and I finally decided, no, I want to have kids. And when my husband and I started trying, I remember my husband um, getting really upset about it. And I kind of said to him, look, I, you know, I don't want to like become super stressed about this. Let's just like, let go. Somehow I kind of didn't really get too obsessed about that. And in four months I got pregnant and I was really blessed and lucky, got pregnant, had my son. And then when I stopped breastfeeding him, when he was about one and a half years, um, I got pregnant again from my daughter and I had the worst pregnancy ever, you know, all signs from my body. I had nine months of like sickness, proper sickness. I'll be, you know, going to work in between meetings. I'll be like throwing up. It was horrible. And I had gestational diabetes again, another sign of my body. And I just, didn't listen to any of that, went back straight, you know, kept being stressed out to the bone, kept, you know, just um, abusing my body, you know, looking after my body, didn't do any exercise and, you know, and all of that. And when I got diagnosed with stage three, I would always say if it had been stage one or stage two, I probably would have gone back straight into my crazy life again. I needed the severity of stage three. You know, in the same way as you said, like, you know, I thought that the infertility had got me and had made me realize, you know, sometimes we need a severity of something to go like now, now my world has definitely stopped. (laughs) And (laughs) maybe, maybe we are stubborn at the same level as well. (laughs) I'm sure of it. Yeah. Yep. It needed, I needed that catalyst. And, and like you said earlier, I am grateful for my, you know, whole kidney experience. It's, and, you know, and the, the experience that the road I'm still on, you know, every day I'm learning something new and evolving so fast. Um, you know, I look around me and I'm like, geez, like, it's like every week I'm, I'm literally like evolving into something totally different. And every week it's like a brand new you know, level of awareness and just mind blowing. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a crazy journey to be on, but it's exhilarating. And, um, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. And what I really want my idea is, and is yours is as well, is to just share with people how they can get this without having to have that catalyst, you know, and that's not going to be for everybody. Some people are going to need it and eventually they will get it. You know, it's, it's inevitable, truly it's inevitable because your soul is on, we're in earth school, right? We're in earth school to learn and evolve and to grow. And if one thing doesn't get our attention, something else will. So, um, I'm just so grateful to have you 
um, now in my life. So I'm sure we'll be friends for a long time. And um, I'm so grateful to you are on the show. And if, um, if anyone wants to, I will put your information in the show notes, your, um, Facebook. I don't know if you have Instagram, but I know you have Facebook, but, um, I'll, whatever you give me after here, I will put in there for people to just directly link over to you. Um, do you have any other, is there a specific way that people can get in touch with you if they maybe want to work with you, um, as a client or how, how does that work? Yeah, so they can uh, get in touch via Facebook and I do have a website as well so they can get in touch through that. Um, so those are the best kind of way to contact me really. Okay, awesome. And I've seen a lot of your stuff and a lot of your client testimonies on your Facebook page and they're beautiful. So I have no doubt that you are an amazing coach. <laughs> so Oh, thank you so much. Um, and thank you, you so are in much. Australia, which is a totally different time frame, And I am recording this at, um, it's about 8 PM at night right now. So I probably sound a little bit different at night than I do in the morning. I usually record these in the morning. <laughs> so I'm probably getting a little, eh, um, little frog throaty, but, um, yeah, especially if anyone is in your time zone, that would be ideal, but I know I'm sure that you probably work with plenty of people, um, you know, in different time zones as well. So don't be afraid by the time zone by any means. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I work a lot with clients in, in Europe and in the U S and in Canada as well. So, um, so I think these days is not an issue at all, but yeah, no, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been amazing. Um, it's been a beautiful, um, yeah, just a beautiful chat and so glad that you reached out. Uh, I am super proud of uh, your journey, you know, like just by knowing you, I think it's amazing what you have done. Um, you're such a, a living proof of what's possible. Um, I am confident that you're going to fully heal your kidneys too. Um, I can see that you're having you to doing that. And I know that sometimes it's hard to say that and because you put a lot of weight on, but I really feel that you have that energy. And um, and I, feel, I think that's that's beautiful. To keep doing what you're doing and uh, it's beautiful that you are sharing your journey and helping other people as well i think that's amazing thank you so much angelica it just warms my heart and i feel the same way about you obviously it's why i wanted to bring you on here because you totally inspire me so um thank you again for being on the show and you guys need to reach out to angelica she's awesome all right i will catch you in the next episode Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of My Inner Tiger. Before you go, I have a free gift to offer you. If you're anything like me and struggle with overwhelming feelings of stress and anxiety on a regular basis, I invite you to download my Freedom in 5 formula, where you'll discover how to change your state in less than five minutes. This is my beautiful gift to you and costs $0. So head on over to myinnertiger.com forward slash freedom to download this now. Also, if you loved what you heard today, please rate and review this podcast on iTunes so I can keep the ball rolling. And finally, if you're not already, come follow me on Instagram at myinnertiger for more juicy goodness and fun inspiration. I can't wait to connect with you there. Now, my dear friend, Go out into this world and create some magic. I'll catch you on the next episode.